Chris Merrill, Joe Heisinga, Chris and Joe. Afternoons 2 to 4 on KTAR News. I'm Chris, he's Joe. Chris and Joe show KTAR News. And uh, Joe, I wanted to take an opportunity here if we can. Uh, I was struck by a story that I ran across. I was uh, checking out Cronkite News. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one of the great news sources in Arizona. And uh, I was reading this article, and it, it, it was sort of a play off of a report that came out from the National Center for Health Workforce Analysis. Now, I'm guessing you probably already read the study. I've seen this this uh, journal on your coffee table. But just in case you missed this one, uh, Arizona, according to the National Center for Health Workforce Analysis, predicts uh, that we will have 28,000 fewer registered nurses than are needed in the state of Arizona by next year. So almost 30,000, like short, almost 30,000. Not that there are 30,000 nurses, that we need 30,000 more than what we're getting right now. And uh, and I couldn't help, you know, I love how you have always encouraged uh, both of us to to dive into the why. Why is something mm-hmm. the way that it is, right? Let's evaluate. Let's figure out what's going on. What's what's the underlying Let's issue? Let's dig a little deeper. Let's dig deeper. And, uh, and I started thinking about all the other professions that we hear about shortages. And I feel like Arizona's high on the list of a lot of these things. Oh, teachers. Yeah. Teachers were always like 50 or 49. Terrible. On a good day, we're in the middle on, yeah. on teacher stuff. Yeah. Uh, police and fire, always short end of the stick there. And now apparently nurses, as you pointed out, you know, 28,000 short, which is the worst in the country. I also didn't know, and, and again, from the story, I didn't realize that we had traveling nurses in order to try to fill the shortages of some of the, the rural Oh, they're facilities. everywhere out here. I, I've learned that through my bumbling. The, nur- the traveling nurses are? Oh, yeah. So, wait a minute. So, two things we should know. There are traveling nurses, and they're all single, and looking on uh, on the dating apps. Um, that is correct. Is that like in their profile? I'm a traveling? Yes. They don't just say I'm an RN. Traveling say, RN. No kidding. Yeah, and they'll say like, hey, I've been in this state, this state, this state, and I'm a travel nurse. So when when it's a travel nurse, that's not just... They're not permanently, they're not at like a banner or a Mayo Clinic or something like that. It's like, hey, you're a nurse, and basically the company that you work for can send you different places. I don't know if it's like three months at a time, a month at a time, what the terms of service agreement looks like. But yeah, you're you're on the road. So hold on. This was I didn't understand this. Um, this is news to me. Normally, Joe and I do a little bit of a rehearsal. This, this is, is a new good to conversation me. because I understand about uh, a pinky fraction. Well, that's more of, than I do of the traveling nurse industry. So they, you said that they travel to different states as well. Or they oh, pro- sure. Okay, but just forgive my naivete. Is Banner operating outside of Arizona? Is, is Honor? Operating outside of Arizona? I know I there know. are a number of systems that do operate across multiple states. I don't know. Um, then I also wonder if maybe some of the insurance companies are behind that. But when we talk about traveling nurses, the story focused on nurses going especially to Resland uh, or, you know, rural small towns and things like this. And I, and I lived in Yavapai County for a, a couple of years. And I can tell you that if you're outside of the Prescott, Prescott Valley, Chino Valley area in Yavapai County, there is a lot of nothing between you and the nearest hospital. The uh, Google that I just pulled up, uh, how do travel nurses work? Uh, A travel nurse performs all the same duties as any other nurse, but they're committed to just one specific location for a short period of time. They step into healthcare settings when there's a temporary gap or increased need. 
So are they contract or are they with the, with, are they with the, I think the it's provider? like there's a separate you know, hub out there. So for instance, let's say we have banner. Yeah. So they, I don't believe that banner works with them. I believe there's a separate contractor who then works with banner and they say, Hey, we need 10 Seven travel nurses. nurses. Okay. Okay. And then they bring those 10 in or whatever. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. So that's no, that's no different than hiring subcontractors. If you're in a, in the contracting industry where there you, go. you got a job, I need, I need three electricians for two weeks and okay, we'll, we'll provide it. But this story struck me because of things like this, because if, when I, Woke up and looked at it. I thought to myself, like, hey, I'm a pretty fit guy. Chris is a pretty fit guy. Pablo's in pretty good shape. This does. Don't look at yourself like that. You are. You're perfectly fit. I barely fit in this shirt. No, you fit. You fit fine. But what? You're ambulatory, Chris. You can get up. You're going to make it to work. You're fine. Okay. Like, you're not somebody who is really ill, who is going to show up in an ER today, who's incredibly sick. But. We've got tons of loved ones out there who might show up in urgent care, who might need an ER. And if our nurses are being you know, taxed to the max, working all kinds of overtime, they're probably not operating at their best. And this story confirmed that and said it mm. raises the odds of an accident or the mortality rate, essentially, going up when you have nurses who are pushed to the limit. Oh, yeah. And... And you also just think about simple things like, hey, if you show up at your doctor's office, do you want to wait 10 or 15 minutes or do you want to wait an hour to be cared for? Do you want that nurse to have 15 minutes with you or five minutes with you? Of course, we all want the 15 minutes. We want to feel like we matter. And I bet those nurses want the same thing, too. They want to feel like they can show up to their job and... They can treat you and I like human beings, not just like you're a number on a paper and they just check the box and move on to the next one. Sure. That's why I care about And when you think about the stress that they're facing from long hours, like you just described, now imagine that you also have to travel and you're staying in a hotel room for a week or two at a time if you're part of the travel nursing uh, delegation, Just when you get comfortable one place. All of a sudden. Then three weeks, three months. Again, I don't know what the terms are, but you're on to the next one where you have to learn all of their, you know, systems and how they all operate. You have to deal with a whole new set of people, whole new set of bosses, and it's just on to the next one, on to the next one. You know, the other thing when it comes to a shortage, and I appreciate that we have traveling nurses who are, and I'm, I'm assuming that they're compensated pretty well for, for traveling, right? But the other thing that I thought about is this. It's got to be difficult if you were a, a care provider, whether it's a hospital or a doctor's office, but especially I'm, I'm thinking of urgent care and ER. It's got to be difficult if you're, our, uh, uh, if you're running one of those hospitals and you're trying to plan. I have to have staff members for this amount of time. Okay, well, I should have 12 nurses, but I've got 11. That's close enough. You can't plan. For much of the day, probably eight nurses would be enough, right? Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, you get this rush around noon when a you know a construction scaffolding collapses, and all of a sudden, you've got a bunch of people. Fill. Like, when you're scheduling traveling nurses, you don't have anybody else on call that can come in when there's when there's a, a lot of people. You can't plan illnesses or an outbreak. Suppose somebody serves a bad shrimp at uh, at a country club, and suddenly you've got a bunch of rich people yakking on each other, and you don't have nurses in there to help, and you don't, you don't have everybody to call. How do you plan for things like the flu? Which, you know, is a bug that comes up every single year. Things, yeah. things like that. And, you know. Yeah, because now all the traveling nurses are booked elsewhere, right? I simplify it down to even like, you know, think about like, you know, the overnight worker at like the convenience store and things like that. The worst shift to me is not that overnight. It's being the person before the overnight. Why? Because what happens if the overnight person doesn't show up? You're stuck. 
So with the nursing situation, think about it where, you know, let's say usually there's four people who work at night and two are out sick. Yeah. Are they going to make you stay later and work longer? Like, how does all of that work, too? Because you just said, hey, if they're already pulling in these travel nurses, mm-hmm. what if there's nobody else to bring in? You know, my uh, my neighbor is an ER nurse, and she says that what they do is if there's a shortage, they'll start putting out bids. So they'll say, if you want to stay later, we'll pay you an extra how much an hour. And it, she says, we, we all kind of get together, and nobody's willing to take the time until they get up to an extra $75 an hour. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, they're really raking in some big overtime. Uh but you're right. That's a really tough situation to be in because they're all willing to say, nope, I'm not staying. Well, it's somebody who you're counting on to help make you feel better, to take care of you when you're sick, to perhaps even save your life. So to me, it's worth 75 bucks an hour. All right. Nurses, uh, if you're listening, 602-277-KTAR, uh, 602-277-KTAR, uh, if you're a nurse or maybe you were a nurse, what is keeping you in the profession? But if you left, why'd you leave? I'm curious about this because I got to believe the burnout rate is really high. 602-277-KTAR. If you're in the nursing field or I don't know, married to one, uh, 602-277-5827. Uh, I want to hear from you, nurses. What's keeping you in the profession? Or if you're not, why did you leave? And then we'll, we'll jump into the, the why. You're going to get an idea of the underlying issue next. It's on the Chris and Joe Show, KTAR News. Here's... Chris and Joe, afternoons 2 to 4 on KTAR News 92.3 and the KTAR News app, The Chris and Joe Show. You can find us on the Facebook at uh, Chris and Joe KTAR, Chris and Joe KTAR, and Facebook, same thing with the Twitter machine, and also on Instagram, The Chris and Joe Show. Look forward to being able to talk uh, to you. There's a nursing shortage in Arizona. Cronkite News did a great story on this, and they talked about the shortage is expected to hit over 28,000 by next year. That means 28,000 too few nurses. 28,000 short. Not 28,000 in the state. We are short uh, 28,000, which is... Uh, really, it's difficult for me to fathom uh, that kind of number. Uh, so we'll get to, we'll get some nurses. Hopefully, I, I'd like to hear kind of perspective from the nurses. And so we're going to open the phones up on that 602-277-KTAR, 602-277-KTAR. Uh, yeah, let's hold off on that. Let's, uh, let's grab this in just a moment. There are a couple of questions that I wanted to dive into with our what's the why, Joe. One, which... Hopefully, we'll have an expert to be able to weigh in on this. Is why Arizona? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know why is Arizona the worst? <clears throat> yep. Yeah, or we, you know, got the got the biggest shortage. We touched on this earlier when we talked about the shortages when it comes to uh, police, when it comes to teachers, and I'm, I'm I have some theories, uh, but I don't know that they are necessarily accurate. But then the other question, of course, is just why is there a shortage in general? And uh, so what we wanted to do then was ask an expert, which makes. <laughs> Makes us look smarter, frankly. Uh, Heidi Sanborn is a registered nurse. She's the president of the Arizona Nurses Association, and uh, she joins us right now. Joe, will you will you want to punch her up there? She's You're, all good. She's, she's good. good? Go all right, right there. very good. I'm Heidi, here. yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's great. Listen, I'm I'm still a klutz when it comes to some of the the technicals and the buttons here, so I appreciate your patience. Uh, tell me, tell me about this shortage that's happening in in Arizona. Obviously, as a president of the, the Nurses Association, this has got to be the top issue for you is a shortage. My goodness, uh, yes. must, care providers are calling you and saying, "What do we do?" Right? 
Absolutely, absolutely. And it's a big problem, not only care providers, but the care receivers, right? Those are always front and center of any discussion that we have about nursing workforce. This is a critical problem. When you don't have nurses where they need to be to deliver care, that's a public health crisis. So what what is the reason? We're trying to figure out the why. Why is there such a shortage of nurses right now? I have a theory, and my theory, and you tell me how smart I am, uh, which the answer could be not smart at all, by the way, Heidi. Don't feel bad. <laughs> My theory is you have to have two things to be a good lifelong nurse. One, you have to have an undying compassion that's part of your personality. And two, you have to be compensated well. Uh, because otherwise, passion doesn't pay the bills. And uh, and you might be paid well, but nobody wants to work with you. That's not going to work at the, at the setting, you know, the, the provider setting either. So why do we have such a shortage? Yeah, I, I think so, Chris. You're very intelligent, and I'll give you that. And I, I think it's Told easy you. to boil it down to to those two things, pay, okay. but also the heart behind why we choose to become nurses. Look, it's a really difficult job. You are front and center with human beings at their most vulnerable and complex times in their lives. Um, and we take that responsibility very seriously. So while I agree that pay is an issue, it is one of many, many issues that play in. Um, we can look at things like uh, workforce violence. So nurses, as the, the voice of healthcare, when patients come into a facility or they're staying at a facility, or even those family members who are coming in to visit their loved one in a facility, it's the nurse that they're going to see first. And so oftentimes when we hear about la- uh, violence in the healthcare community, those are often directed towards nurses. And all of our healthcare colleagues, right? But that, so violence is one of those big things. We have nurses who are being threatened to walk to their car and to watch their back because I'm going to get you because you didn't take care of my family member. Mm. That is a really scary place to be as a nurse. Yeah. Um, we have the conditions of working. So if we have a, a workforce shortage, you may be taking more patients than you are trained to take, than you feel comfortable to take. Um, but those patients need care, and we have to lean in and we have to do what that patient needs. So we're stretched very thin oftentimes at the bedside because of these vacancies that are happening. Um, So I think that workforce conditions are a really big part of of the stress that nurses are under. And and those those things add that add to that with pay. All of those things combined make nurses really question whether or not my heart and, and knowing that what I do every day is important is worth my physical safety, my mental well being, my emotional distress. Um, we begin to question whether it's worth it all. Talking with Heidi Sanborn, she's the president of the ANA. Heidi, what does being 28,000 nurses short mean for Arizona in terms of care, in terms of if I walk into an ER and urgent care, my doctor's office today, what what is the level of care I'm going to get now versus if there were these 28,000 positions filled? So simply stated, it's a great question. Simply stated, you won't have a nurse there to care for you. So we most likely, everybody listening to this uh, right now could probably identify with themselves or a family member who has sought urgent care, whether that's in an urgent care facility or an emergency department at a hospital. Um, If you walk in and there aren't enough nurses and staff to take care of you as a patient, what happens? You end up in a stretcher in a hallway. You end up there for hours and hours on end as you wait for a bed in the hospital. Um, And that is all oftentimes due to nursing shortages. Um, So most patients, when they are admitted to a hospital, are being admitted for 24-7 nursing care. That's why hospitals exist. If there aren't nurses 
at that destination unit where you need to be, you're going to be stuck in the emergency room. And if there's enough patients stuck in the emergency room, it means I can't even get through the front door. Hmm. So if I have an emergency, whether I'm driving myself or I'm in, in an ambulance, I can be diverted to another facility, potentially hours away if I live in a rural area. That's the scope of the problem we're talking about. Because we're so short on nurses here in Arizona, 28,000 plus short is the estimate by the year 2025. Could this mean the difference between life and death for some patients out there? Absolutely. Access to care. Again, it's a public health crisis. If you don't have the professionals to care for you in your time of need, where else are you going to go? Uh, Heidi Sanborn is president of the Arizona Nurses Association. Heidi, you made mention earlier about the stress as it weighs on the on the nurses and what it does to their mental health. How how is how are you seeing that right now? How is the mental health of the nurses? Uh, I mean, is it is it being stretched? And does this does this create burnout faster than than the normal rigors of the job? Absolutely. I mean, there always was burnout in healthcare. There's things we call compassion fatigue. We give them fancy names. But at the end of the day, it's just the fatigue and exhaustion that comes from caring for patients um, during very, very difficult times. Adrenaline rushes, worrying about uh, making sure that the care that you deliver is the best that possibly can be delivered for that patient. Again, nurses are there because of our hearts. We want to be there. We want to make the world a better place. We want to care for our patients. And when something gets in the way of us being able to do that well, that is a really bitter pill to swallow. Why is it so... Um, so I'm sorry. Oh, Heidi. Yeah, well, why is it so bad in Arizona? Why is Arizona facing the biggest shortage of, of anywhere else? What makes us unique? So there's a couple of things. Arizona has regularly been in the top 10 list of states with predicted shortages in the coming decade. So knowing that a shortage was coming at us is not new news and it's not related to COVID. This has been brewing for a really long time. There's a couple of things in Arizona that make us particularly unique. One of them is the age of our population, the movement of our population. When we look at snowbirds coming in the state, um, we burst at our seams during the winter and all of those people coming to our state need health care. Um, um, so that is one issue. We also have our own workforce that's aging. Our population is aging and so is our nursing workforce. So you're seeing nurses as the job becomes more and more demanding physically, emotionally, mentally. Uh, you're seeing nurses make the decision to step away for a role that maybe is more manageable with their um, place in life. Um, so we're seeing early retirements. We're seeing nurses who've decided I've done all I can do and it's time to let the younger generation of nurses come up. And that's our third issue here in our state. We've got a lot of new nurses. We're doing a really great job with our universities and colleges, bringing new nurses into the workforce and training them to be ready. But it requires experienced nurses to precept them, to give them the orientation they need uh, to be able to function on that unit independently. Um, so there's a big burden on a workforce that is retiring, um, that's stepping away for other roles. Arizona has a lot of opportunities for nurses, and they're not all in the hospital system where we need them sometimes the most. Yeah, it sounds like we've got a snowball effect going on, too, as all we of do. this happens. All right. Heidi Sanborn is the president of the Arizona Nurses Association. Uh, Heidi, can't thank you enough for carving out time. I know how busy you are, and we do appreciate you, and we, we hope you, we get a chance to talk to you again. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Uh, we'll get to, we'll talk with some of those nurses that have called us because I want to know if you're a nurse, what's keeping you in the profession or 
If you left, why did you leave? Uh, I want to get your calls. 602-277-KTAR. 602-277-KTAR. We also want your theories on why you think Arizona is so short-staffed. I think maybe it's just as simple as a perfect storm. Uh, I think Heidi was hitting on that a little bit there a moment ago. That's next. KTAR News. I'm Chris Merrill. He's Joe Huizenga, KTAR News. So Arizona needs nurses, but the nurses just aren't around. And the shortage in Arizona is predicted to be worse than any other state. The projections are we're going to be short 28,000-plus nurses in next year. Now, this isn't just ER, emergency care, ICU nurses. This is nurses uh, who you might need at your local doctor's office or uh, your specialist's office. You're going to see the ENT, might not have uh, enough people there to be able to handle all the patients that the doctor can handle. So the question, of course, is why? Why do we have such a shortage? Who better to ask than the people who are on the front lines, the nurses themselves? So we asked in nurses, 602-277-KTAR, why is it that you... are still in the profession, or why did you leave if you took off? Uh, start me off here. Uh, Sharon is in Phoenix. Sharon, you're going to get the first crack at this on uh, the Chris and Joe Show, KTAR. Thank you. Thank you. I I, I have a short answer. Uh, okay. What's keeping me? Yeah. Uh, after 38 years of being a nurse, um, is that I have a position right now uh, for the last two years that we don't have to do any Medicare documentation. Oh, so really? the lab- laborious oh. Medicare documentation is uh, unbelievably burdensome and has no does nothing to improve patient outcomes at all. And a couple of years ago, I got real close to changing my really? job to just escape it. Mm-hmm. Just because of that paperwork. See, Sharon, and mm-hmm. listen, um, backstory here real quick. My wife works trying to get Medicare to pay, so I know what you're talking about, the laborious nature of everything that they do. She works uh, for contracting yep. with, with a national laboratory. So I'm, I'm familiar yep. with the, the, the pain that you're discussing here. But it's funny to me to hear you say that when, and I know how difficult that is, but I think, okay, you're on your feet all day, or you're dealing with angry patients or families that are, but it, it was the, 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 the nature of the paperwork that really got to you the most, huh? That's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's the worst, and that's why a lot of PCPs uh-huh. left the profession as well. They they yeah. told me. Or they went uh, private. The doc, the, yeah. Doc, uh, yeah, like they don't take Medicare anymore. Yeah, interesting. All right, very good. Yeah, uh, primary care physician, Joe. Um, I know that you I know what a PCP uh, is. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You had primary care providers, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just didn't. I wanted to make sure that everybody's on the same page. I don't know if you. I, knew I got that. you. I I I I'm picking up what you're putting down over there. To Glendale, Ray, Ray, uh, you're in nursing. How long have you been doing it? Hey, gentlemen. Hey, man. Uh, about ten years. I've been in here. Oh, okay. So you've got you've got a, you're a veteran then. So why are you why yeah. are you nursing? Uh, what has kept you around for ten years? So part of it is this is what I I wanted to do as this. Dis- you know, as 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 different as the career has turned out to be, this is what I studied. This is what I wanted to do in college. This is this is kind of a part of my personality. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what what kept me in there. I mean, the thing that's making me leave though is that 
the population is becoming more aggressive. They're becoming confrontational. It's not only the patients that we're dealing with, but it's the family members. I've been assaulted personally as a rather large male. Oh, you're kidding me. Numerous times because of people are just aggravated. They they want extra pain meds or they want extra. Uh, I had I got COVID the first time because a patient spit on me because I wouldn't give them a, a anti-anxiety medication they were addicted to. So it's some of what Heidi and said, so too, are, just the work, workforce violence that you're dealing with, the stuff that, you know, Chris and I, you know, two guys sitting in a radio studio wouldn't think about on any given day that you're, you know, combating every single day. Absolutely. The other thing that we have to deal with is there's a level of risk. I had a patient that got mad at the physician because the surgery turned out the way she didn't really hope it would. She ended up suing everybody that had ever touched that medical record. I was included. We were all exonerated. Everything was totally fine. It It was just a frivolous lawsuit because she was upset. But the process that we had to go through. Oh, my gosh. It was over over the course of two years. I was looking around every corner waiting to lose my my license to practice. Um, And it was just terrifying. It it made me really think, is this, you know, if anybody can sue me for anything, go after the license that I've worked so hard to care for, to get and maintain. If they can take it away just because they're upset that they didn't get the pain meds that they wanted. Ray, can I, I'm going to go really... I want to go a little into the weeds here, but uh, when were you represented by the the hospital uh, attorneys in that suit? Uh, yes, yeah. Okay, yeah. you didn't have to go buy your own. Okay, we're, and this is going to be it. Really, I, I, I do now, anyway. This is really in the weeds. Uh, when you were consulting with the attorneys, were you on the clock, or did you have to cut into your own time for that? This was my own time. Oh no, that's garbage. Yeah. Now I'm offended. Yeah, now I'm upset. <laughs> now I'm going to take it to the top, Ray. Now I'm going to the top. Well, thank you. Somebody needs yeah, to. Somebody needs to. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate talking to you. Okay, li- I, listen, this is what I wanted to... I know it sounds like a silly question, like, who cares if you're on the clock? But I care. Because here the guy's putting in 40, 50 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Here the guy is dealing with people who are physically assaulting him. Here the guy is dealing with someone who's not happy with the, the quality of care they got for whatever reason and sues everybody who ever touched a medical record. Which, by the way, if you're anywhere close to the patient, your initials go on that record, Right. And then they're going to sue everybody. And then, as he said, it's a two-year process. He's worried about losing his license. And he's got to take out of his time with his family, whether he's got kids or whether he's uh, in a relationship or whether he just doesn't want to deal with work. Time to go order, sit down with an attorney in order to, to talk fight to for his job. In order to keep his job. What does he get out of that? He doesn't get out. He's spending extra time to fight to get back to what are you talking Even. about? He's he's fighting for his right to go get spit on again oh my by, by somebody who's upset about the level of care that he did or didn't and administer. This is, and this is why you wonder why there's a shortage in the industry in general. But why is there a shortage specific to Arizona? The president of the Arizona Nursing Association kind of hit on that a little bit. And I want to I want to dive in a little bit deeper, continue to get a few more calls from some of our medical professionals as well. We've got the M3F Music Festival coming to town, Chris. It's going to be over at Steel Indian School Park, March 1st and 2nd. 100% of all the profits from the music festival go to various charities throughout the valley. Limited tickets, limited tickets still available for purchase right now, but you can win a pair by visiting the contest page on KTAR.com. All right. Respect is a two-way street, and as much as you respect what the nurses are doing and they respect you as a patient, there might be a group that's not giving as much love is what those nurses have earned. That is next on The Chris and Joe Show, KTAR News.
Chris and Joe. Afternoons 2 to 4 on KTAR News 92.3 and the KTAR News app. All right, Chris and Joe Show. He's Joe Ising. I'm Chris Merrill. I have a theory on why we have a, sh- a nursing shortage in Arizona. We're short 28,000 nurses going into 2025, according to the latest survey, right? I have a theory. We'll talk. We've got some nurses that have, that have called us, and we'll I'll ask them about this. But I have this theory. So before I got into radio, I was doing some, um, I was training as, a, as an EMT, right? Just an EMT basic, which meant basically I could do CPR and drive an ambulance. That was about it, okay? And you're being serious about this, too, because yeah. I, looking at you... Yeah, no, all my all the respect in the world. I never would think that guy was going to become yeah. an EMT and then get on the radio. No, my uh, my 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 best friend uh, and my uh, the best man at my wedding was an EMT, and I was like, that's a great profession. I loved what he was doing, and I thought I'm going to go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw I saw burnout firsthand was one one thing I saw when I was doing my clinical rotations, and then the other thing uh, that I saw when I went in. When I went into the hospital, and I don't know if this has changed since then. This would have been 2000, 2001. Um, the, the orientation at the hospital, they said, what is your job here? And we're like, well, it's to take care of patients. And they're like, nope. Hmm. They said, well, what is your job here? And we thought, if it's not to, is it to. Without patients, we have I no thought, job. Is it to bring comfort uh, to the community? Provide, they're like, no, your job is to serve the doctors. And I thought, whoa. I felt like that was upside down from the very beginning. And I know there's some places that still teach that way. So now if you're a doctor and you go to medical school and they're teaching you that a nurse's job is to serve you, why would you offer that nurse any respect? We've all had bad bosses before, right? Mm -hmm. Now imagine if your boss went to a training program where they said employees are just expendable. They're there to keep you happy. What's the incentive for you to treat them well? Now, we all know some doctors are really great, and we know that they have staffs that love them, right? Mm-hmm. But there are also some out we there who kind of have God complexes yes. and think that they know way better than you. Yeah. Jana is in Goodyear, and Jana, uh, you've been at this for 10 years now, right? Have you had good doctors and bad doctors, or what's your experience with them? Oh, I uh, hello. Hey. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely have had um, uh, fabulous doctors that... Um, that um, do not actually like really treat me as a as as an asset to to their practice. You're one of the Good. lucky ones. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then I've had some that um, I you know dur- during COVID um, uh, I had an all out. Um, hopefully, hopefully that person's uh, not listening. That's all right. Nobody's had, listening. I, I, I had an I had an all out knockdown drag out fight with and uh, it was really? it was bad. What's yeah. changed in the um, last few years for you in the in the uh, position though, Jana? Um, I I left I left that hospital. <laughs> so, but but you also um, said I, that that so much has changed in the nursing profession. What one or two things can you specifically point to that have um, changed? The the one thing I'm going to tell you that, and and I think I think so many nurses that have been in the field for at least as long as I have, we we watch these fledgling nurses um, go through nursing school during COVID, and none of them were allowed to touch a patient. None of them were t- t- had um, you know boots on the ground. Um, uh, practice with patients. None of them had that that um, that one-on-one contact with patients. And then 
Then they were brought in, you know, um, promised a uh, $2,000, $5,000, $10,000 bonus to stick around for two years. Mm-hmm. And and then these older nurses that, you know, we've been, we've been you know, caring for patients, you know, and they, they literally, we had these, these nurses that did not know how to start an IV. Oh, no. I, mean, I, I, I am not kidding you. Oh. I cannot tell you how many, how many young nurses. And then, and then I had, there was one nurse that I was working with and, and she was a fabulous new nurse, fabulous new nurse. I, I, um, I, I, I wish I, I wish I could say her name, but I won't. No. But um, and um, early into her into her nursing career, it was this was again during COVID. Um, she there was an altered patient, um, and she got uh, smacked in the head, literally oh. just like wind up like a bat, smacked in the head with a with a telemetry box that this patient was wearing, and mm. you know and. I wish I knew if if she was still in the nursing field because I'm not sure that I'd still be in the nursing field if if that happened to me. No, I'd be out the door. Um, Forget it. I'd be that would be the last the last draw for me. Somebody's been at this uh, long. I think the longest we've had. Sherry, how how many years have you been in nursing, Sherry? I've been a nurse for 57 years. Wow, God bless wow. you. How about that? Holy cow! That was back in the days when everybody was still smoking in the hospital, right? Yes, you're absolutely right. I was was trained at St. Joseph's School of Nursing, and I went right into Barrow's Neurological, where I was the youngest nurse in the head nurse in the hospital. And And my my nursing experience in the Valley has been remarkable. I've done many, many things. But what's happening now is the older nurses are retiring. Of course, I'm 77 and still working. Um, But uh, we are have a lot of older nurses that are retiring. But what your other nurse is talking about is I have two grandchildren that are nurses. And it is very sad the young nurses coming out do not have the experience that they need. And one of the bigger things is they don't have a mentor. It's so important to have a mentor. Oh, great point. Yeah. And you feel that. And I've done a lot of my, I've been a clinical director. I've done many, many things. But number one, the one thing I always taught my nurses was you will respect the doctor, but you don't have to bow down to the doctor. Good. And, that, and that's what I was ran into when I was doing that orientation. I said, you're here to serve the doctor. Well, forget that. I can't do that. All right. We've got fallout from the goons assaults. We're going to shift gears here after 3 o'clock. The fallout is spreading to your wallet. How much are these hooligans going to cost you personally? That is next. Chris and Joe Show, KTAR News.